You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. The podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. Bless us, everyone. (laughs) I'm exhausted from our conversation that we just had (laughs) that we're not going to share at all. No. Instead, I shall say welcome. What's up, theater geeks? What is up? What is up? What's up? What is up? What is up? What is up? What is up? Y'all know Pamela and I love to chat because we're friends in, in real real life. And so we just had like a really long conversation. So we're tired, but um uh, it was it was emotionally exhausting. It was. It was a whole roller coaster. There was yeah. a whole bunch of feelings and Lots. uh tearing down the system. I'm in, telling you in what brains and in our hearts. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trying to work on our families too. We were. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, oppression. It's a, it's something else. Oh, oppression. Oh, oh, oppression. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Yep. Here we go. Oh man. All right. It is about this one. It's yours this week. It's, it is, it's mine. And so we're going to do this little musical called star mites. (laughs) It sounds like a virus. (laughs) <laughs> the mites. oh i can't come to your birthday party i have star, star mites <laughs> uh, I, ca- I caught the mites i caught the mites because mites actually are like yes. a tiny bug yes, right so they this are, well, is- they they're good though because like they will eat your dead skin cells and they'll they like there are mites that live on your eyelashes that like eat the dead skin Aren't cells there around some them. bad ones though where you oh, yeah, can have like a allergic yes. reaction and stuff okay yes like dust mites are usually the ones that are not so nice because they don't live on your person like the ones that live on us are are their own little ecosystem mm-hmm. like they're there because they do things for us that we don't really realize need to be done <laughs> 
like eating the dead skin cells around your eyelashes. But like then you're also inundated with with mites around your environment, like on your mattresses and on your furnishings and different things like that. Yeah. That sometimes cannot be nice. Yeah. So that and those are the ones I think of when I hear mites. Yes. I always think of ear mites because, um, I'm a dog groomer. So I come into contact with that sometimes frequently, but like cats will get ear mites a lot and it just causes Mm -hmm. them to shake their head a lot. And sometimes if it's not taken care of immediately, like they can scratch themselves into like a cauliflower ear. Oh, some real damage if those ear mites are, cause they're super and like they're they're infestive and they're itchy and they're very uncomfortable. Oh, honey. I know. But star mites sounds like a virus on Rainbow Bright. It, yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. I promise you it's not. There's no <laughs> virus. Okay. There were no viruses in the making of this musical. That's good. Um, My resources for this musical are uh, Broadway by Ghostlight, Broadway Breakdown with Mark Banani, which is on YouTube, which is great. You should watch it. <laughs> Wikipedia, the New York Times article, Star Mites a Musical by Mel Gusso uh, from April 29th of 89. The book Off-Broadway Musicals, 1910 to 2007, cast, credits, songs, critical reception by Dan Dietz. And um, there are a few others that I will reference within the body of this conversation. Great. <laughs> okay. All right. So Star Mites. Star Mites uh, is a musical with book and lyrics by Stuart Ross and Barry Keating with music by Barry Keating. According to his LinkedIn profile, Barry Keating's career began working for Jim Henson Productions. He did uh, the Muppet Babies Magic Box. Okay, so according to the Muppets Wiki, he penned several Muppet Muppet Babies books. Baby Ralph Finds the Clunker, Kermit the Hermit, Baby Fozzie on Cloud Nine, and Baby Piggy's Mermaid Tale. (laughs) And then Muppet Babies Magic Box was a stage show Okay. Oh, I have no yeah. idea. Me neither. Um, and he also wrote some of the Kermit's Tales animal stories for Jim Henson's bedtime stories. Okay. And so the reason why I want to give you a little backstory is because when we get past the Broadway production, everything, there's like something he's developed, which makes you remember, be like, oh, that seems perfectly in line with who he is and what he's made previously. And also I do feel like this show as well is very much him. Like it feels like if that's his, if Jim Henson was his origin story, of course he made Star Mites. It just all makes sense. Okay. All right. So he was first going to write um, Star Mites with Jim Steinman. And you all should know that name because of Dance of the Vampires. That's right. I was like, I know that name. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Jim pulled out. So Keating ended up like writing the first iteration totally by himself. Uh, Star Mites first premiered off off Broadway at the Arc Theater in New York City on October 30th of 1980 for 20 performances. At this point in the production's history, Barry Keating was carrying the whole show, like I said, book, music, and lyrics. 
The cast and creative team for this production were um, Charles Karchmer, who was the director. Choreography was by Edmund Klesser. Scenery was by Nina Moser. And musical direction was by James McElwain. The cast included Chuck Ritchie, Wendy Jo Belcher, Camille Fisher-Stevens, and Toby oh. Parker, to name a few. <laughs> so to, uh, to be honest with you, friends, I absolutely know who Fisher-Stevens is, but yeah. I fell down a rabbit hole being like, what? I really forgot he did theater. <laughs> so I fell down this hole. I was first trying to make sure it was the Fisher Stevens I thought it was. Yeah. Which is not super easy when you're talking about off off Broadway. Okay. Because you've got to make that that trail back. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Because yes. it's like it's it was hard. So I was like, let me make sure this is the Fisher Stevens that I think it is. And it absolutely is the Fisher Stevens that you think it is. <laughs> um Okay, so then after oh, that, I'm sorry, just just as an aside, because I love Fisher yes. Stevens. He was yes. doing that show about the cat that would bring the paper yeah. that would tell the future. Well, Daily News. Daily Isn't that what it was, Is that what it was called? Yeah. But that was also around the same time that he did the Audra McDonald revival of, of Carousel, mm -hmm. which is why I started to love him. And then I started to watch him. So like, <laughs> I guess I knew he was in theater because of Carousel and just thought that he made his way into film and TV. Yeah. Yeah. Which which would be correct, because if yeah. you do look at his um, if you look at I mean, I can't even say IBDB, there's something else uh called oh I don't have that list okay sorry there's another website oh that's it's just called like about the cast like that's okay. what the website's called and so that gave me a listing of a bunch of like off-Broadway stuff he'd done in a couple Broadway things and then I had to like pick out one of the things and go into IBDB and that's how I went but oh carousel okay so it's the same guy that's what yeah. happened there <laughs> gotcha <laughs> Um, and then after this 1980 production, Barry took time to continue working on the show, bringing in a new cast and a director, as well as a co-writer, Stuart Ross. On April 26th of 1987, the show was produced for Musical Theater Works at CSC, which I believe is Classic Stage Company, for 16 performances. This cast included Liz Larson, Gabriel Barr, and Sharon McKnight, who were also in the Broadway production. With the same cast, it was again staged in Milford, New Hampshire at the now defunct American Stage Festival. And that happened from August 10th to the 27th of 1988. Nice. All right. So for a synopsis. <laughs> now, another reason why you should absolutely go to that YouTube I told you about is because he breaks it down like scene by scene. Okay. Friends. Ebony's not going to do that today. Not going to do that <laughs> because we don't have all that time and you can just go and watch him do it because he does it beautifully with like these funny little inserts and stuff. It's really great. <laughs> so just do that. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. Okay. All right. Eleanor, a shy teenager, collects science fiction comic books to avoid growing pains. She imagines herself as a superheroine, such as in the comic books. In her fantasy, she becomes involved in the conflict between the evil Shock Ra and the Star Mites, guardian angels of inner space. 
The mites believe that Eleanor is preordained to save the universe from destruction. Eleanor and the star mites seek the cruelty, a powerful musical instrument, which they must find before it falls into the hands of Shock Ra. In Shriekwood Forest, <laughs> Eleanor sings a soothing earthly lullaby, but winged women kidnap the sleeping mites and soon meet Diva, the queen of the banshees. She wants one of the star mites to wed her daughter, Bizarbara. She also guards the cruelty. The leader of the mites, Space Punk, and Eleanor are becoming attracted to each other, but Bizarbara also falls in love with Space Punk. He agrees to marry Diva's daughter to save his companions from torture, but changes his mind, unable to betray his love for Eleanor. Diva uses magic to disguise Bizabara as Eleanor, and at the wedding ceremony between Punk and Eleanor, Trinculus, the Starmite lizard mascot, plays the cruelty, which casts a hypnotic spell. Chakra seizes the cruelty and prepares to sacrifice Bizabara who he believes to be Eleanor, which will enable him to become master of Earth. <laughs> Diva then joins forces with the real Eleanor and the Star Mites to rescue Bizarbara. Bizarbara is willing to sacrifice herself to save the Earth. Eleanor, the wounded space punk, and the Star Mites battle and destroy Chakra. It turns out that Eleanor is Diva's real daughter, the legendary Milady. Bizarbara <laughs> finds her birth mother on Earth and harmony is restored. Chakra, however, has escaped to Earth, leaving one loose end. <laughs> I wonder if it's pronounced Bizarbra. I It's spelled... Wait, let me find <laughs> you know it how, again. You know how Barbara is sometimes spelled B-A-R-B-A-R-A? Right, but it's B-I-Z-A-R-B-A-R-A. Right, Bizarbra. Maybe bizarre bra. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that's right. It just sounds funny because it's bizarre. Barbara, bizarre, bizarre bra. I wonder if she goes by Zabs. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just for reference, friends, um, I got that from Guide to Musical Theater dot com. So that's I where I got that, that synopsis website. from. Yes. yes, it's wonderful. So that is the epitome. Of the 1980s right there. Dude, for what? I, I feel like I watched that cartoon every Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like, yeah. it's so true. And so, friends, please do yourself a favor. You need to watch the 1989 Tony Awards. Oh. Okay? Friends. Because they absolutely were there. They absolutely did a performance. And you know who was hosting? Our patron saint, Miss Angela Lansbury. Oh, I love. Oh, okay, I'm definitely going to watch that. You got to do it. And you got to do it because there's one performance in particular where I was like, this song has five lyrics, but this woman, she's killing it. Okay. Oh. This song, it's not great, but she's killing it. She's giving it 3000%. And uh, I'm finding this strangely enjoyable-ish to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, I really, I really, I recommend, I recommend. Okay, so it's 1989? Yeah, it should be. Mm -hmm. okay. Tony Awards. Gotcha. 
Okay, so here's the Broadway run. Now, after the success of the off-Broadway run and a, a theater that was opening on Broadway was brand new, the producers felt uh, that it could be moved to this theater. So it was a brand new theater that had just uh, finished being built and Star Mites would be its inaugural uh, production. And that theater was called the Criterion Center Stage Right Theater. Okay. <laughs> Which um, I feel this is the first time we've ever mentioned this theater on yeah. the podcast. I don't remember ever. Well, unless, does it go by the acronym CR, CSRC? Uh, I guess it, it would be CC. SRT. Oh, CCSRT. No. Because it's Criterion Center Stage Right Theater. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever heard of that theater before. Is it still in existence? It is not. This was a 499 seat house. Oh. uh, And currently there's a gap there in Times Square. That was tiny then. Well, ish, because before the gap, it was that huge (laughs) Toys R Us. Excuse my. French. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll beep it. (laughs) Um, and so, which was huge, right? Mm -hmm. That was massive. So, so before it was the gap, it was Toys R Us. So I I was like, oh, I could see it maybe have been, you know, totally gutted and like an open plan as Toys R Us was. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a theater. Wow. Um, the Broadway production opened on April 27th of 1989 and was directed by Larry Carpenter. And so I'm going to give you um, opening night cast and creative. So we have Janet Aldrich as Melina, one of the Banshees, Gabriel Barr as Trinculus from Inner Space. Um, just want to say, friends, if you watch the performance, you will see Gabriel Barr. Like he's a lizard, friends. <laughs> he's a lizard. Right. I just... Okay. He's a lizard. He's a lizard. <laughs> uh, Bennett Kale as Ack Ack Ackerman. Victor Trent uh, Cook as Herbie Harrison. John Michael Flate as Droid. Ariel Grabber as Shock Grah. Brian Lane Green as Space Punk. Liz Larson as Eleanor on Earth. And Bisbarbara? Bisbarra? Bizarre, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the star might Mary Kate Law as Shotzi, Sharon McKnight as Mother on Earth, and then Diva in the Starmite world, Rick Ryder as Droid, Gwen Stewart as Cannibal, uh, Frida Williams as Bal Balbraca, and Christopher Zelno as Dazzle. Razzledorf. Okay, love it. The biggest Woo! challenge whenever I start reading like a fantasy science fiction book is figuring yeah. out how to pronounce people's names. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Yeah. I mean. Um, it was directed and staged by Larry Carpenter, choreographed by Michelle Asif. Assistant choreographer was TC Charlton, scenic design by Lowell Detweiler, costume design by Susan Hirschfeld. Lighting designed by Jason Kantrowitz. Sound designed by John Kilgore and hair designed by John Quaglia. All righty. 
The show uh, closed on June 18th of 1989 after it ran for 60 regular performances and 35 previews. Now, you all, if you remember, the 1988 to 89 season is pretty notorious for being wow. <laughs> Just not great. It, it was like the worst. It was the actual worst. In fact, one of the books Pamela and I share literally, okay, it, the whole book uh, is the Peter Felicia book. And what he does is he goes season by season and he does the flop of the year and then the best show of the year, like the show that was the most successful. Yeah. That year was so bad. He had nothing <laughs> for the show that was most successful. So he puts in this funny reference about Ethel Merman when she wrote her uh, her biography. She um, when she talked to what her chapter that's supposed to be like um, the year that she was married to uh, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, it's blank. Like she didn't want to talk about it. So the page is blank. So for the show that was most successful, he put in the year I was married to Ernest Borgnine because he had nothing. That's that's how not great that show was where that wow. season was. So just to like, you know, refresh your memory a little bit. Uh, we had Carrie. Oh, okay. that was 1989. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. We had legs diamond mm -hmm. okay okay we had senator joe also terrible <laughs> i mean that thing had the tap dancing heart disease and i just friends i don't know <laughs> yeah. and then there was another show called chu chem and i was like what is this i wish you'd seen my face when i read i was like i don't even know what this is we're gonna have to add it to yeah, the list because i've never even heard of it we should just do the entire season of 1989. Yeah, I know. That I'm should be a be whole year. Out. Yeah. <laughs> just the, awesome. like a whole season of just that. All those bad shows. Well, there were um, a couple of years in the 1980s that were like that. Because I recall 1986 was that same way. Yeah. It, the poor 80s. I know. You know, it was it was a rough time well, for, listen, for Broadway. Well, listen, when you take big risks sometimes the gamble pays off and sometimes you just fail miserably. And yeah. unfortunately that was a time when they took a lot of risks, but they didn't actually get any rewards. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a successful, it wasn't great. Um, but there were a couple of shows that like still lost money, but did better, okay. you know, than those. And so you had black and blue, Okay. Um, which was a predominantly black cast. I actually met a woman who was in that cast oh, cool. uh, this last summer. She's one of my friends, best friends. Nice. And then Jerome Robbins Broadway. Mm -hmm. So these, these were two shows that were like much more successful. Um, friends, please, please go. Watch. I mean, as bad as I'm telling you that season was still go see the Tony Awards because yeah. Like the black and blue performance is so good. I mean, like it's baby Savion Glover that you have on there. Like you have these like little babies that are like barely <laughs> teenagers. Yeah. Like just killing it, killing it on the stage. The whole um, episode is available too. I just looked it up. 
You can oh, find is? the entire episode of 1989 Tony Awards uh, on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Because you, you absolutely want to watch that performance. And um, I'm going to tell you the, the person. So if you go to the Star Mites, you're gonna, you're definitely just watch the whole performance because let me tell you, Sharon McKnight, the diva song. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it has five lyrics. She killed those five lyrics. All right. She whooped them, right? It's not a great song, but she pulled it out. Do you know what right. I'm saying? It was like her performance. And so, of course, therefore, because she really pulled it out, she she was one of the six Tony nominations that nice. the show received. Yeah. So this show did receive uh, uh, Tony nominations for Best Musical, uh, Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Musical. So that was Gabriel Barr and Brian Lane Green, both from that show. Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical. As I referenced Sharon McKnight, you go watch it, you'll see why. <laughs> Best Direction of a Musical was Larry Carpenter. Best Choreography was Michelle Asif. There was one win, not of the Tonys. The Tonys, they lost all of them. Okay. Uh, but the Theater World Award, Sharon McKnight did win for her performance as the diva. Nice. Um, yeah. And so there is a cast recording. Um, the recording was done in uh, April 27th, 1999. And so you can listen to it. It has um, some of the original cast. There are a few um, people who were not uh, available um, to do that recording. And so you have a few other people sort of standing in, but you know, it's a good cast recording. Um, and so, uh, I did not read reviews, but, um, I figure, <laughs> I don't think you really needed. To. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, what I do know is that the reviews were definitely mixed. Yeah. Um, and a lot of so when before it even got to Broadway, the big thing about it was like they were trying to say some of the some of the comparisons um, are not great. I mean, they were like trying to say Star Wars, which is not Star Wars. OK, they were trying to say Star Trek, which is not Star Trek. I mean, it's based on a comic book, you know, right. um, and it's not that like it's much smaller. It's a much mm -hmm. smaller piece. Um, a lot of people feel, you know, like Mark Robinson says, actually, in his book, he said, you know, it, it would have fared better if it had just stayed off Broadway. Mm. And, you know, I really agree. You know, okay. I, I feel like there's a lot of shows that Pamela and I talk about where, you know, listen, I love it when people want to swing for the fences. But sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. if you just want to swing for like, you know, I don't know, a, sh a shorter fence. I don't yeah. know. You know what I'm saying? Like just something that's a little bit is. What, more I mean, practical. I feel totally. like shows tell you where they belong. And yes. if you just sort of listen to them, um, like, it's going to be better. 500 seat house is not that big, certainly in terms of what a Broadway house is capable of these days. So that they didn't succeed even in a small house like that. Mm -hmm. is saying something too and it's a very niche kind of show yeah it really is it really really is and so you know I I they they the re well the reason why they thought maybe 
I mean, and these shows actually didn't go to Broadway. It's like they were also comparing it um, in its quirkiness to like Little Shop of Horrors, which mm-hmm. stayed off Broadway. Yeah. You know, and it was super successful again yeah. off Broadway. And then the movie was made, but from the off Broadway production, you mm-hmm. know, so it's sort of like it's OK to stay smaller. And and it's had so like a ton of other productions. There's three versions. So you have like there's one for um, kids, one for high schoolers and then another one for professionals that people can do. Okay. Um, and then also Barry made Star Mites 2001. So it came back in 2001 and 2006 off Broadway for limited performances at a couple of theaters okay. um, as that. They're still saying the book's quite messy and like okay. needs work. It was definitely updated, but it's not like it was, um, you know, it doesn't sound like it was like radically different, but it was like different. Like you yeah. could tell that things had been changed and, and updated and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then Star Mites 2001, you know, I believe that's also available for people who, who want to do it. I mean, it seems like sort of adorable, you know, it seems like kind of like, you know, when you go and see that performance, it's like, oh, yes, somebody from Jim Henson's workshop did this. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Jim Henson, right? Like we are, we're Jim Henson kids. And so the imagination there is like really, you know, it's like delightful, Um, you know, and it, and it's a story really about like this. I mean, I feel the core is sort of more like the mother daughter relationship, like the, the boy girl relationship, sort of like an aside. Yeah. But it's really about, you know, the mother daughter thing. And so that's really interesting. Um, that to is me. one of the things I was going to say too, because like in the 1980s to have a show that focuses its attention on the female character. Yeah. Is yeah. Kind of, that's awesome. Like that didn't happen a lot. It still doesn't. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and and so what 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 ended up happening, the thing I was sort of referencing, right? So he did Jim Henson's workshop, but he took Star Mites and now it's like this business, Star Mites Kids Parties. So it's the okay. longest running children's entertainment company in New York. Huh. Um, and so it's been going since 1980. Wow. Um, and he's had you know, so they have unique and amazing puppets, twist balloons, animals, face painting. And he he says on his LinkedIn, former delighted clients have been Madonna, Chris Rock, Tommy Hilfiger, John McEnroe, Tatum O'Neill, Kathleen Turner, you know, but I was like, oh, that's really cute. You know, I was like, you took this and it's like a fun thing for kids now, you know, for their their birthday parties and stuff. Well, and I said it when you first started talking about just the synopsis, like it sounds like something that I watched every Saturday morning as a little kid. So I feel (laughs) like it's the show. The show was almost meant for little kids. Yeah. Which is why it couldn't really find its audience. I don't know that that's for for sure because I've never seen it, but that from just from the description. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's it's. It was like a family. I feel like it could have been a family show. I mean, we haven't seen it. Um, it, it, it seems to do well in other mm-hmm. spaces, you know, and I think it just wasn't really meant to be on Broadway. Like It's just like, that's just not the space for it. And that's yeah. okay. You know? Um, so yeah, you know, friends, that's Star Mites. I really, 
encourage you. I can't tell you enough. Again, I'm just going to reiterate that YouTube. If you really want more um, breakdown of the synopsis and the songs, again, it was Broadway by Ghostlight, Broadway Breakdown by Mark Benani. Awesome. Absolutely go there. And like I said, the 89 Tony Awards, because you want our patron saint, Angela Lansbury, who's still with us. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and um, those performances are, you know, they're just so great. They're fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> that's oh, Starmite. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> it's funny. It kind of. It Okay. Sort of, but not really. But it, it reminded me a little bit of um, what we just talked about uh, the show I went to see, um, Otherworld. Yeah, video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so like even though Starmites is based in uh, comic books, and Otherworld is video games, um, you also have um, underrepresented communities at mm -hmm. the center. Sure. Right. And honestly, what I liked even more about Otherworld is like, there's really no romantic. Yeah. I mean, there's like one, there is one. Okay. What, like one main character, he kind of does, but it's not the center in any way, shape or form. Right. I mean, it's just like a little thing about, he needs to have a life. That's not just Otherworld. Yeah. Um, it's not really, uh, central to the, the, the story. And I love that. Like, I love that it doesn't have to like to I feel like sometimes adding a romantic interest is just sort of like a cheaper way or easier mm -hmm. shortcut to raising stakes. Yeah. You know, instead of it being about, you know, just something else where you have to be a bit more creative. Right. No, I completely agree with you, mm -hmm. which is always like if it is just added in there to raise the stakes, it is always like a big neon sign that says not authentic to me mm -hmm. or like this is false like it just it screams to me yeah. but it's like if yeah uh, yeah no I agree with you completely because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. like I I mean we've talked about other world I really loved it I hope it gets a, another iteration so more people can see it you know but it's more about like you you know it's yeah. like it's about us it's about Figuring out who you are, where your place is, and like taking up space, you know, and not saying that like feeling like this world and not yeah. just like a world that we go into and like create separately, but like this world that we live in is also ours. Like we are also part of it, no matter how much so many people tell us to go away, to go to another country or whatever it's like no like this is we are we belong here yeah we're also supposed to be here mm -hmm. and uh, you know i love that like that it's not about somebody going in to find their person they fell in love with after two seconds yeah you know it's about it's a deeper more important journey mm -hmm. and um you know i love a show about that yeah completely yes yeah. My yeah. biggest, like my friends all love romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. I can't stand them. 
I can't stand them because they all find this. They follow the same formula. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, the woman has changed something in order to gain the man, but the man hasn't done a darn thing to deserve her attention. And they're supposed to live happily ever after. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate it with a passion because there is something inside me all the time that just says you don't need a man to be complete i can always appreciate it more when the character that i am following finishes her story all by herself mm-hmm. where she doesn't need someone to come in and rescue her or if someone comes in to help her it is a team effort and not someone taking over the lead just because you're you know she's not able to do it herself right you know because that's never the case like that's just come on let's just be honest here but anyway (laughs) that's just my own feminist feminist sensibility i guess all i just really wanted to say was that's my biggest gripe about romantic comedies and about just stories in general is when the stakes are set so that they aren't really that high yeah like that's i will say that the past I'd say 10 years movies have been that way for me too. There's, there have been no stakes hmm. and it seems like everything that you set up in the beginning of the movie is just solved so easily by the end yeah. that it's like, why were we on this journey with you? You could have done that by yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if I called my mom to ask her how to do my laundry and she told me how to do my laundry, that's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, that you're going to sell tickets to. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's just easy. Mm-hmm. And so you're right that there is like this kind of maybe and maybe they were just scared to tell it. But if the story really was between the mother and the daughter, then that was what they should have focused on. The, even well, a, like a female triangle with yeah, the mother, yeah. Evelyn and Bazarbra, or however you pronounce her name, you know, like it could have been this hugely like impactful female story driven or driven story um that really allowed you to delve into the lives of all three of these women who all have hurt and pain for different reasons and right but they're all intertwined and so when that story is then when that celtic knot is finally released and everyone mm-hmm. understands where their pain came from then that is that ending that everyone is like waiting to waiting to see waiting to hear yeah i i agree because it it's at the core like at the core i do feel that the the mother daughter relationship is actually the most important in in the show but then it's like well we have to add this romance and maybe that's because it's like they that's what people want I mean you know it's what happened to Louisa May Alcott like we talk about that yeah you know with little women that's not the ending that we got like we have is not what she wanted I want the (laughs) ending she wanted I'm with her yes me too so it never made sense to me that she ended up with bear anyway (laughs) we're gonna go down a whole rabbit hole I know it's true it always felt like she was settling yeah like, oh, he was nice and he held an umbrella for you. That was big, great. Uh, big whoopee. <laughs> right. I know. I know. <sighs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, if if Barry, you ever listen, you know, to this podcast, uh, I say take out that dude 
And I feel like, you know, the fact that the same actress who plays the mom on earth also plays the diva. Mm -hmm. And the the fact that like Eleanor is also Barbara, Mm -hmm. Ms. Barbara, whatever. (laughs) Like that has some meat on its bones. Yeah. And you need to like dig into that and and get the dude out of there because I think you're going to have a really strong story. Yeah. If you do that. That's my opinion. Um, Normally on feedback, I'd be flapped out for that, but it's my podcast. So I'll say what I like. (laughs) And I want you to think about it because a female centric story is awesome. And I think it does have meat. Yeah, definitely. So if you listen nowadays, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just saying, Just just saying. All right, friends. Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, Drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. You can also support us by going to patreon.com forward slash TGABWAY. Until next time, geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.